0: Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together.
1: Hi, Heart Strong. Pastor Andreas here from Life Church in Vancouver. Uh, I hope all of you guys are doing amazing. We are studying Joshua chapter 18 and 19. Um, Now, how does the story in Joshua 18 and 19 point us to Jesus? So in Joshua chapter 18 and 19, uh, here we get a little bit of a taste of the kind of detailed love that God has for his people. See, Jesus cares about the details of your life. And many of the passages in the Old Testament that we deem as boring or irrelevant shows us that God is into everything, every little detail. We might not see the relevance or the importance of it in the moment, but as we continue in our relationship with Him, we see over time how the small and insignificant becomes major moments in our lives. And we see this in Joshua chapter 18 and 19. Things that we think are not important, eventually they're going to play major roles. You see, this section of the book of Joshua is regarded by most theologians as probably two of the most boring chapters in the Old Testament. Many people like Joshua, but when they get to the section of Joshua, when it's about this city and that city and this tribe and that tribe and this border and that border and this border and that border, they they go like, dude, all of that, that's a lot of information. Who cares which border was, was where? I want to tell you, it is obvious that God cares because not one word is written in the Bible that is not significant for our lives. So as we study the scripture in context we have joshua and and joshua has the mandate now he's going to give out the land to the tribes we have already seen a few tribes um, receive their land but there are seven of them that have not yet so in verse two there's a significant um, verse where he says but there remained among the children of israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance then joshua said to the children of israel how long will you neglect To go and possess the land which the Lord God, your father, has given you. How long will you neglect to go and possess what God has given you? It seems like Joshua expected a certain amount of action. Once they were in a land, um, the land that God has promised them, he, he expected a certain amount of personal tribal action to go and occupy the land, to take it. To walk through it to occupy it and it seems like you have seven tribes here and all they are doing they are standing around with their hands kind of in their pockets folding their hands not not really doing anything and the and the tribes are like okay no, what now what what do we do now listen god gave them the land it was a free gift god said the land is mine i'm giving it to you i'm going to dispossess the people from it and it's a covenant gift to you but you Children of Israel, whom I have a covenant with. You have to unwrap it. Now, how do you unwrap this land that I've given you? You walk through it. You settle it. See, remember the promise in Joshua 1, chapter 1? God said to Joshua, every place that your soul, that the soul of your foot shall tread, wherever you're going to walk, I have given that to you. So you've got to tread on it. You've got to walk on it. You only occupy what you walk on, whatever you stand on. If I have to ask you today, what do you do with the promises of God? Some of you would answer probably, you know what what I do with the promises of God, I memorize them. And that's good, you know, good for you. I'm glad that you memorize them. Some, some others might boast, and I think if you look down at the Bibles, this might be you. You've underlined them in yellow and orange and in green. They've been underlined. I have a color-coded system for all the promises of God. This is the promises of healing is in yellow. And the promises of finances is in red. And the promises of uh, forgiveness is in green. And that's great. It's It's good to have a system. But I hope, I hope somewhere down the line, you say, I'm actually going to apply these promises. I'm going to live by the principles and the promises of God. I'm going to change my lifestyle and I'm going to walk into them. What are you like when it comes to God's promises? God's truth for you. Do you just sort them? Do you get into them a little bit, maybe up to your ankles? That's nice. It's kind of cool. You know, you got your toes wet. Or do you go on your knees or do you plunge into it? You take the plunge. Joshua was sort of saying to these tribes, jump in, dive in, unwrap, un- not unwrapped, unwrap this amazing gift that God has given you, and I implore you to do the same. So how does this, the story apply to your life? Well, for me, one of the most significant application to these stories, to these chapters is the fact that we have a God that goes before us. He's, He's outside of time and he goes before us. He's into the details of our lives, but also I believe when I look at these chapters, he has given you and me specific assignments and territory that we have to take. In this world we live in, we need to be the body of Christ that rises up and take back the territory that the enemy has stolen. And how do we do that? We start walking in God's promise. Now, now every one of us um, in the study, I want you to know God has given us different territories to walk in. But within that territory, he's given you authority and he's given you the ability to take back that part of the kingdom for God. So I hope this, these chapters inspire you to do that. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you are into the details of our lives. I thank you that you are the one that goes ahead of us, that you created us for a purpose. And the purpose was to live a victorious life in a covenant with you, a covenant of grace. And we're so thankful for that. It's not because we deserve it, but because of your faithfulness. Father, I pray that you will stir up through your Holy Spirit in us the awareness of the territory that we are supposed to walk in, not only walk in, but that we are supposed to dispossess the enemy from it and we are supposed to occupy it. And I pray that every person that listens to to today's reading and today's study, that they will be inspired to go and occupy the territory that you are placing on their heart. Let's not just hold on to the promises. Father God, through your spirit, help us to live it out. Amen. Amen. Okay, so so, so let's start um, with this chapter. Now, I just want to encourage you to take a step of faith in Jesus today. If the Holy Spirit brought something to your attention about a territory that you're supposed to walk in, I want to encourage you to share it with someone. If you know that God has signed you to a territory, a territory that has been lost, rise up. Step into it, occupy it, and dispossess the enemy of it. Take that step. Tell somebody else about it so they can help to keep you accountable for for not backing down from that territory. Okay, here we go. So Joshua chapter 18, verse 1. Um, I'm not going to read the whole chapter and everything. I'm going to kind of show you verse by verse what I found um, in this chapter. It says in verse 1, now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together in Shiloh. Now, please take note notice of the word, uh, that name, the city Shiloh. Uh, and it says, and set up the tabernacle of meeting and the land was subdued before them. So, so Shiloh was on a hill in a tribal allotment of Ephraim. It was about 20 miles north of Jerusalem and just a few miles north of the city of Bethel. Where Jacob laid his head at night when he saw the vision of the angels of God descending and ascending. And he called that the house of God. So, so they are on a hill and the tabernacle is to be set up on a hill. The tabernacle that they set up through the wilderness is now in its first permanent location within the confinements of the land that God gave them. And it, it will be there for the next 369 years. It will become the center of worship the center of the national community, before eventually it moves to Jerusalem. So before it goes to Jerusalem, it was in Shiloh, right in the middle of the land. Okay, now something to take note of here. The headquarters was up to this point, um, once they crossed the the Jordan River, at a little place called Gilgal. That's the name of it. Now, Gilgal uh, was in the desert region, just to the east of Jericho. But now they're moving the community and they're moving it to the center to Shiloh. Why? Well, first of all, it's the place that the tabernacle is going to stand for the next 369 years. And it's the place that God had chosen for them uh, to put it. And Moses said um, that they will put it there. And from there, it will move to Jerusalem. But the reason they moved it from Gilgal to Shiloh was probably because of military reasons. Uh, Gilgal was the lowest place in the world, in their known world, and Shiloh was up on a hill. So for military reasons, they felt that they could defend it better. So you get a good view of anybody coming your way. So the center of worship of Israel takes place now in Shiloh. And it will be there for many years to come. Now notice what it says in verse 1. It says the tabernacle was set up. The, t- the tabernacle of the meeting was there. Now I can't tell you uh, enough times how important the tabernacle is. Why is the tabernacle such a big deal? And why was it such a big deal? Because the tabernacle occupies more biblical real estate. And what I mean by that, words and chapters than any other single subject in scripture. For example, creation, which is kind of a big deal, occupies two chapters, and and that's a significant event. The tabernacle occupies 50 chapters. Now, why would it be so important? Because in stepping into the tabernacle, you are stepping into a model of something. Do, Do you know what that is? The tabernacle is a model of heaven, according to the writers of Hebrew. So somehow, probably just in orientation the tabernacle was a model so God gave them very specific details and how it was to be built and it becomes the center of life for the community of the children of Israel now verse 2 it goes on and it says but there remaining among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God, your father, has given you? It seems that Joshua expected a certain amount of incentive uh, for them to go and occupy the land, to go and take it, to walk through it and to occupy it. But it seems like they have seven tribes standing around not doing anything. God gave them the land as I said earlier it was a free gift it was God's promise to them they have to go and possess it they have to go and unwrap it but they don't do it and they're supposed to go and settle in it now remember the promise in Joshua which we spoke about wherever your feet shall tread that will be yours but the focus is you are going to have to go and occupy the land and you've got seven tribes not doing it and Joshua is upset with them he wants them to go and occupy it so let's pick up in verse four He says, pick out from among you three men for each tribe, and I will send them. They shall rise and go through the land, survey it according to inheritance, and come back to me. And they shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall remain in their territory in the south. The house of Joseph shall remain in the territory to the north. You shall survey the land in seven parts and bring the survey here to me, and I may cast lots for you before the Lord our God. But the Levites have no part among the priesthood or among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. And Gad and Reuben, half-tribe of Manasseh, have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. Then the men arose to go away, and Joshua charged those who went out to survey the land, saying, "Go, walk through the land, survey it, and come back to me, that I may cast lots for you before the Lord." Now notice that, because I don't, I don't want to get, um, I don't want you to get the idea that well, um, they're just going to sort of like uh, throw a dice. Uh, because Joshua said he's going to cast lots. People kind of read that um, into casting lots. You just sort of, uh, you know, I'm going to throw dice and, and oh well, um, let's see where it lands and I'm going to take that part. This casting of the lot that happened was before the Lord. In Shiloh verse 9. So the men went, passed through the land, and wrote the survey in a book in seven parts by cities. And they came to Joshua at the camp of Shiloh. Then Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the lawn. And they Joshua divided the land to the children of Israel according their, to their division. So 21 surveyors were to go to seven parts of the land and bring back a geographical and, and uh, uh, description of the land. And then lots would be cast. Um, Why lots? Because that's what God said to do in previous books through Moses. You will cast lots. Now, let's answer that question first. What are lots? Well, we're not exactly sure. Some believe it was those stones that the high priest had, the Urim and the Thonim. Black and white stones that they would use to determine the will of God. Others believe they were just stones with markings on them or a piece of wood um, that are different lengths, whatever. Um, There's different views on this. Now, when you read that and when you hear that, you might think, well, that's kind of a weird way to discern the will of the Lord. Don't start doing that. Don't put straws on your desk to try and determine God's will. Uh, Here is what it, it says. It says... They did that before the Lord. It's before the Lord. It says in Proverbs 16, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. That's Proverbs 16. So evidently God superintended this exercise so that they went, um, they settled precisely where God wanted them to settle. And he did this through the casting of lots. Now, the casting of the lot, we also find that it continues in the New Testament. When they casted lots to determine who's going to fill fill up Judas' spot, Um, they had um, cast lots for the next succeeding apostle. But here's something that I want you to hear. After the Holy Spirit comes upon them at Pentecost, there never is a single incident in which God asks His people to cast lots again. No need to cast lots anymore. Why? Because now you've got the Holy Spirit living and abiding in you. And he is your guide. And Jesus said, the Spirit of God will guide you in all truth. So from verse 11 down is a tribal allotment with the cities, with the borders, for the tribes. And it starts with Benjamin. So, so it starts with Benjamin, number one. So Benjamin is a small tribe. But even though it's small, they, are, they have a significant city within it. Jericho is in the tribe of Benjamin, and the city of Ai, spelled Ai, is in the tribe of Benjamin. Gideon is in the tribe of Benjamin, and Jerusalem is shared by Judah and Benjamin. So a small tribe, but significant. Now, an interesting thing about Benjamin is that they became men of war. They became known as a people of valor, great men who waxed valiant and strong in battle now something else you need to know eventually the kingdom of israel is going to be split the kingdom is going to be divided into two kingdoms the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom how many tribes are going to be in the northern kingdom for those of you who know 10 tribes which means how many do we have left for the southern kingdom very good math two tribes so you've got two tribes and ten tribes and the two tribes will be judah and benjamin because they shared Jerusalem. Um, so when the split happens, you have 10 tribes uh, go to the northern kingdom under the guy by the name of Jeroboam, First Kings chapter 12. And then the southern kingdom will be loyal to the house of David. Now, chapter 19, verse 1, we're progressing. The second lot came out of Simeon, for the tribe of the children of S- um, S- Simeon, According to their families and their, and, and their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. Let me read that again. So so the second lot came out of the uh, Simeon for the tribe of the children, according to their families. And their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. Now, this is uh, sort of a little bit of strange. wow, because the tribe of Judah is given a huge allotment. And. Uh, A lot of land down south. And then Simeon is placed right in the middle of that. So all around this tribe, you have the tribe of Judah. Now when you go down to verse 9, it says the inheritance of the children of Simeon was included in the share of the children of Judah. To share of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of that people. It's interesting that when Joshua gives them the land, they get land in the middle, right in the center of Judah. So so they are surrounded. The tribe of Levi, this is before the priesthood was, was even developed. They get scattered into Levitical cities, peppered throughout the whole land. They don't get their own lot. They don't get their own own piece of land. Now, this will turn out to be a blessing eventually. In Genesis, remember in Genesis, the curse of being scattered. Being scattered was seen as a curse. But this will turn into a blessing. So Judah has too much land. And because of that, um, God places Simeon right in the middle of him. And Simeon is given a portion of that land in the middle of that tribe next verse, verses 10, the third lot came out for the children of Zebulun, according to their families, um, and the border of their inheritance was as far as Sarid. and then it goes on, their border, blah, 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 to verse 16, this was the inheritance of the children of Zebulun, according to their families, these cities, uh, and these cities, uh, and I struggle to read all these cities' names. If you want to go and read them, please go and read them. Have fun pronouncing them. I, as you can see, I, I'm, I struggle to pronounce Simeon. But, but it goes on. It says, according to their families, these cities, with their villages, um, they were given to Zebulun. Now, now, Zebulun, if you look at a tribal map, uh, was landlocked. If you just look at the way the map is set out. They don't have any sea coast at all, which is interesting because the prophecy was given by Jacob on his deathbed for this tribe. The prophecy that he gave them was that they will become a haven for ships. Now, how do you do that if you're not located by the sea? Well, even though most tribal maps don't show it, the geographical um, description do show that they have one little strip of land attached to the Mediterranean Sea. So the prophecy of Jacob came true with the casting of Lot. Now when you go to Nazareth, which is in the, in the tribe of Zebulun, Nazareth, this is um, probably the most notable village uh, where Jesus grew up. Uh, It was in Nazareth, which is in Zebulun. And you stand on a mountain and the mountain is called uh, uh, Precipice, the Mount Precipice. And when you look towards your left, uh, you will see the tribe of Zebulun. And when you look towards your right, that gives you the next tribe. And that's in verse 17. The fourth lot came to um, Ishakar for the children of Ishakar, according to their families and they are mentioned, and the cities are mentioned afterwards. Now, Ishikar gets one of the most beautiful, most amazing places you'll ever see. The Valley of Jezreel. Ishikar gets the Valley of Jezreel. Now, the Valley of Jezreel is breathtaking. Um, It's probably one of the most breathtaking places in the entire world. In fact, if you were there, and you were Simeon or Benjamin or any of these other guys listening to what everybody else got. Uh, the people of Ishikar, you would go, man, those guys, I wish I was part of that tribe. Uh, I want what they got because they get the tribe of Ishikar. They get the Valley of Jezreel. It's huge. It's fertile. You can grow anything there. The best farms in Israel today are in the Valley of Ish- of Jezreel. But if you say that, man, I wish um, I can be in that tribe, which is human nature, I want to remind you of something. Uh, You have to understand there is another name for the Valley of Jezreel, and the name is the Valley of Armageddon. The Valley of Jezreel will become and has become, as we look back in history, a place where most of the notable battles have ever taken place. Battles of civilization to place there. All the way up to Na- Napoleon, all the way to the 1900s, battles are taking place in the valley of Armageddon and the greatest battle of all will still play- take place there in the future. So just so that uh, you learn a little lesson from this, when you look at other people and say, man, I wish I've got what they've got, uh, make sure That you celebrate what you have, because uh, you never know what else is going to happen there. Also, now let's go down to verse twenty-four. The fifth lot came out uh, for the tribe of the children of Asher, according to their families. Now, I love what Asher got. They got a huge chunk of the Mediterranean beach and coastland, all the way up to Tyre and, and Sidon. And it is a beautiful piece of land. But as as beautiful as it is. They're in a position where they're going to be attacked by the Phoenicians and by the Philistines because the Philistines came from the islands in the sea before they settled down in Israel. So the Philistines tried to go to Egypt. They were kicked out. And then they settled down south um, in the southern part of Israel. So these um, Assyrians, they had to fend off enemies the whole time. And honestly, uh, you don't hear much about Asher at all. It's not one of those tribes that that is mentioned a lot. Uh, But there is one significant thing which we read about in the New Testament. And it's a lady um, of old age, 84 years of age, from the tribe of Asher. Her name was Anna. And in Luke 2, She's in the temple every day. She's worshiping the Lord. And one day she sees a couple coming into the temple with a little baby, Joseph and Mary, carrying Jesus. And she knows this is Israel's Messiah. And she was one of the first ones in scripture to proclaim and preach Jesus in the temple. Anna, the Asherite. Nobody else really from the Asherites are notable or have have anything else really that we can mention about them. So when we go down to verse 32, the sixth lot came to the children of Naphtali, for the children of Naphtali according to their families. Now Naphtali is in in the Galilee region, the Sea of Galilee, um, north of the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum is in this tribe allotment of Naphtali. Um, uh, Kainah, uh and galilee where jesus did his first miracles is in this tribal allotment of Naphtali. and this tribal allotment uh, they got way to the north so the sea of galilee is above and we call the sea of galilee is also called the sea of gentiles why because eventually many gentiles will will settle there Um, it's also mentioned in Isaiah, in a scripture that we read over Christmas a lot. This is a significant Zebulun and Naphtali is mentioned there and the Sea of Galilee is mentioned there. It speaks about a people that's going to suffer hardship. And then it talks about out of them, what will happen is uh, that piece of scripture that we we read um, in Isaiah, you have multiplied the nations and increased its joy for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of the government of peace, there will be no end. But just before that, it speaks about the oppressed by the sea of Jordan, Galilee, and the Gentiles and the people there. So it's speaking about where Jesus is going to start his ministry. So this tribe that suffered so many attacks from Syrians and Assyrians will experience the deliverance as the Messiah is sent to this region. And where does Jesus set up his headquarters? Right there in the tribe of Naphtali, Capernaum. Now the tribe of Dan is given an area that is called um, the Philistine country. It's down in the south. If, If you want to know the problems, that this tribe had with the Philistines, just read the book of Judges. The book of Judges is filled with the problems that Dan had with the people of the Philistines. So they were given the region to the south. They couldn't hang with it and eventually they split. Now, in in verse 49, it will conclude this chapter. It says, when they had made an end, this is all seven tribes now, guys stand around with their hands in their pockets, and now they are settled um, when they made an end to dividing the land as an inheritance according to their borders. The children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua, the son of Nun. So Joshua, at this point, he hasn't received an inheritance yet. Remember, Caleb got his own inheritance. Now, Joshua was the leader, and he's the last one to get a piece of land. Ever the servant. Joshua makes sure that everybody gets their place. And last of all, he gets his. And, wh- and what does he get? Joshua with the sons of Nun, Nun it's a better way to put it, um, according to the word of the Lord, They gave him the city which he asked for. He said, well, what city would you like? He's the leader. He's going to get something really nice. You can, Joshua, you can cherry pick anything you want. But he asked for this funny city, Um, Tamnath Serah. Now you would go, where exactly is that? Well, exactly, you've never heard of it. It's in the mountains of Ephraim and he built his city and he dwelt in it. It's ugly. It's barren. Nothing is growing. It's wilderness. You look and you go, Joshua, why would you ask for this? Why not ask for a nice beach location or by the Sea of Galilee or a place where things are going to grow just abundantly? Well, the place itself, Tamnath Serah, means abundant provision. And that's exactly how Joshua saw it. It's part of his tribe, his allotment. He's going to go where the lot fell to his tribe, and he's going to take that little spot, and he's going to settle there, and he believes God's abundant provision will be there for his people. So it's interesting that Joshua, this incredible man of God, and this leader chooses a spot. So these were the inheritance, verse 51, which... Elizarb the priest, Joshua, the son of Nun, and the heads and the fathers of the tribes of children of Israel divided as an inheritance by the lot of Shiloh before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So they made an end of dividing the country. So I know, you know, there's it's it's a lot of the city, that city, a lot of names which I struggle to read and pronounce. Um. But again, I want to say to you, the important part about all of these things, all of this was done before the Lord and God had a hand in all of this. And God gave them territory specific to them and to the people and to the leaders that were there. And in the same way, I want to say to you today, don't be discouraged because you might feel I don't like this territory that I'm in. God placed you where you are for a purpose and for a reason. And function within it. Ask God to lead you through this times where you are, take back the city, occupy it, walk in God's promises. And like Joshua, even though it's the wilderness, it doesn't mean anything. Joshua saw God's abundant provision, even when it wasn't the best looking city. I want to encourage you, follow God, stay in your territory, work hard, follow his principles and his promises. Thank you for staying with me in today's study. Um, I will have details kind of more numbered out to you in the notes that you can follow. Um, and I hope that will help you to understand these two chapters a little bit more. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is, there's nothing in it that we should take for granted or read over or disregard. But every part of it points towards you, Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. We love you. We love serving you. And we're thankful for your word. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray, amen. Amen, everybody. Have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the HeartStrong shop with all kinds of merch like hoodies and t-shirts and mugs to remind you of this journey of discipleship that you're on. You can log in to heartstrong.life forward slash login to access your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible boot camp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.